my honor to get to share with you this morning. Uh, amen. Um, I get to share with you. And last week, Pastor Jim speak, preached or spoke on Proverbs chapter 3. So today I'm going to preach on Proverbs chapter 10 because it's today's daily reading. It's almost like we planned that. But today I really just wanted to continue the theme of strengthened through wisdom. And I was going to preach a message. I was going to call it wise men say, but I didn't because uh, I've seen Elvis like three times now uh, with different people. So if anyone's not seen Elvis and you want to, I'll go with it because uh, it's great and his music's so good. But I was going to say wise men say, because Proverbs is of course the book of wisdom written by the wisest man to ever live apart from Jesus, King Solomon. And I just want to read, I'm going to start by reading Proverbs chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole proverb because it is Though it sounds like a lot, it's quite short, each verse. But I just think it's good to read the book of Proverbs, because if nothing else you hear from me today, the book of Proverbs, by just listening to it and absorbing it, we'll gain wisdom. But it it says this, it's Proverbs writing, not Proverbs, Solomon writing. It says, a wise child brings joy to a father. Thankfully, my father is not here, uh, um, so I can't see him. And a foolish child brings grief to a mother. Again, thankfully, my mother's not here. They are at Southside ministering this morning. But it says, tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. A wise youth harvests in the summer, but one who sleeps during harvest is a disgrace. The godly are showered with blessings, and the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. We have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. The words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. The words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling babbling of a fool invites disaster. The wealth of the rich in their fortress, the poverty of the poor is their destruction. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, But those who ignore correction will go astray. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others makes you a fool. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. The fears of the wicked will be fulfilled, but the hopes of the godly will be granted. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Lazy people irritate their employers like vinegar to the teeth or smoke in the eyes. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. 
The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. It's a powerful proverb, and don't worry, I'm not going to go through it line by line, because we'll be here forever. Because, but I mean, there's so much in Proverbs. But there's three things that I know this morning that I really think are principles from this proverb that I can think can really help us in life. And I'm speaking to myself greatly today as well. And I'm just going to give you all three to start with, and then I'm going to unpack them a little bit. And it's watch your eyes, watch your mouth, and watch your hands. Like those are the, the three things that I know here. Watch your eyes, watch your mouth, and watch your hands. You see, King Solomon is really, I mean, the guy's a good guy in terms of he's smart. He knows what he's doing. In fact, he's asked by God, what is the one thing that you need to give a bit of background to Solomon? He's asked God, God basically said to him, I'll grant you one request. If you ask me one thing, I'll give it to you. And Solomon, I don't know how long it took him to think of it, but he asks God for wisdom. I mean, personally, I thought that that was kind of wise to ask for that, because he had the responsibility of leading God's people. He'd seen his father, King David, do it, and he'd probably seen all the trouble he got into and thought, well, my dad was a pretty good guy, but he struggled, so I'm going to ask for wisdom. And God decides, well, because you've asked for this, I'll give you that, and I'll give you fame, and I'll give you splendor, and I'll give you everything that you didn't ask for. And so Solomon's quite a wise man. But the Bible talks a lot about wisdom. And wisdom's a great thing. In James chapter 1, verse 5, James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, writes this. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, there's not many things in the Bible where God literally says, if you ask for this, I'll grant it. I mean, we always pray, and sometimes God answers our prayers the way we want to. Sometimes God doesn't. But the Bible promises that, that if you ask for wisdom, regardless of who you are, God will grant you wisdom. That's a promise that, that the Bible promises. So it doesn't matter if you're perfect or whether you're not. The Bible says God, doesn't, God gives wisdom to all who ask for it, regardless of what it's for. You see, Jesus never ever promised that every prayer would be answered the way we want, but he did promise us that if you ask for wisdom, you'll get it. So therefore, it's important that we learn from Proverbs. But the first thing I know was, like, watch your eyes. You see, what, what you see and what you, you watch will impact how you think. You see, Solomon Wright, he said a lot about, he says, those who wink at trouble or wink at wrong cause trouble. And King David, who was his father, and I don't know if Solomon can take the credit for all these wisdoms or whether he just learned them from other people and then took the credit by writing it in the book of Proverbs. But his father, King David, he, he looked at, he, he winked at the wrong thing, and it led to trouble. You see, his, his father, King David, many of us will know this story, but it came to a point where the kings were supposed to be at war, and he was in a balcony where he was not supposed to be, and he saw a woman who wasn't his wife. He, he winked at the wrong thing. And what then happens is he goes on this journey where instead of just winking at the wrong thing, he ends up, someone loses their life and it causes absolute chaos and really disrupts his ministry. And to be honest, it's probably part of the reason why David never got to fulfill everything that was in his heart because of this winking at trouble. You see, what we watch impacts how we think and how we end up behaving. But David then went on to write about how, well, God, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, because David went on the journey of realizing that I'm, I'm not going to look at trouble, but I'm going to focus my eyes on, 
the good thing. It's why I think in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Why? Because if I'm watching Jesus and I'm reading his word and my eyes are fixed on him, then all the other things that can so easily entangle us can keep us out of trouble. It's funny because I could do another Elvis joke because one of his songs was, if you're looking for trouble, do, 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 do. <laughs> you're in the right place. And that was one of my favorites for the music. But the reality is that the, the, the gist of the song is that if you're looking for trouble, then you're in the right place. Come look at my face. And actually, in life, so much trouble starts with, I'm just looking at the wrong place. I'm looking at the wrong thing. And I think that's why Solomon's teaching us here, look, guys, get your eyes on the right thing. You see, I've already shared myself that, like, there's been times in my life when I've spent maybe too much time looking at things that were just disrupting my spirit. Like I was looking at things in the, the news and I was looking at things on social media and I was like, I was spending so much time focusing on them that it was causing trouble in me. Like I was becoming more agitated, I was becoming angry and I was becoming more frustrated and it was because I wasn't looking for the, it wasn't my eyes weren't fixed on Jesus in those moments. It's because I was focusing too much on things that were causing trouble in my life, and it was affecting my the way I was behaving. Like I wasn't sleeping very well. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't like I was probably more frustrated with people. I was probably shorter and snappy with people than I would have liked to have been, and certainly way more than what God would call me to be. You see, what you watch will take a hold, and so we have to watch our eyes, the things that we put into us, the things that we. That grab our attention, allow things to, allows doubt to creep in. Times when I would have been so confident and secure, just I started to doubt. I maybe started to get angry and more frustrated, and like I've said. So, what we watch and what dominates our mind, what do we allow into our brain through our eyes? And I believe that a challenge for us as we look for wisdom is to stay away from trouble. Things that disrupt us, things that rob us of joy and peace and freedom, that's not of God. And I'm encouraging you today. I'm not saying, I mean, I think it's important to be informed. I think it's important to know what's going on. But that can't be the overriding thing. We have to live by faith and not by sight. Because if we look, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's easy to see things. But actually, my faith has to be greater than what I look at. My faith has to be in Jesus. So let that occupy your mind. Because you were not designed to cause trouble. You were not designed to cause trouble for yourself, and you weren't cause, built to design. You weren't designed to cause trouble for other people either. We're not troublemakers. The Bible never says blessed are the troublemakers. It says blessed are the peacemakers. That's what we're called to be. And I don't mean trouble. You can call it like, oh, we want to change the world. But the disciples didn't cause trouble. They actually just came and brought peace. They came and brought freedom. It's just that upset those who are the enemies of God. But that's not causing trouble. That's causing freedom. There's a big difference. So watch our eyes. We have to watch our eyes. The second one, and this might be the hardest out of them all, is watch your mouth. Have you ever been told that? Watch your mouth. I've been told that many times. Um, mainly because I'm being cheeky, not because I was saying anything. But the reality is, I believe firmly, and it's, I, I recognize it as I've got older, and I understand I'm not old. I understand. But as I've got older, I recognize more and more the power of life and death in my tongue. Like, I've heard it, I've known it since I was, like, been taught it since a child. But as you get older, you actually see the effects of it and have a greater understanding of it. And I now firmly believe that there is no in-between. <laughs> there is either life out of my tongue, or there's death. <laughs> there is no in-between. You either speak life, or you speak death. Even this morning, Scott was encouraging me, as he always does, he says, you're going to be great this morning. And then he says, you know, I'm not just saying it, I honestly believe it. And I know that he does. 
and, and for me, that's, that lifts me up when people speak life over me. And I don't know whether you think I'm going to be great or not. It's not really about me, but I feel better because of it. <laughs> like I, the, when I speak life over someone, I know that I'm adding value to that person. I know that even if they don't do great or if they, do, they feel so much better, it lifts them up. And the opposite is true. When we speak death and negativity, then it pushes people down. And we're not called to do that. We play football on a Monday night. We would love for you to come along. Or if you're watching online or in person, we would love for you to play. But there's someone who plays, not all the time, but they play fairly regularly. And I'll be honest, they're probably the most encouraging football player I have ever played with in my entire life. Like, I feel great. I, I mean, I wish I could put them in my team every week, but it's not fair. But, like, they are just so encouraging. So, like, I will make mistakes, which I often do, because I'll try things that I'm just not good enough to try. And it would just, it would just say, great effort. That was a, like, they just make me feel great. Even when I mess up and the other team score, and it's entirely my fault. Like, they never blame me. They just say, hey, great effort. And it lifts me up. Like, I aspire to be like that person. Because I'm like, what could my life look like in the lives of those around me if I was that person who, every time someone had a go or tried something, I just encouraged them. Wasn't it amazing you tried that? Wasn't it amazing that you had the, the, the thought to even go for that? Or you'll get there next time. Like, it just made me feel amazing. And there was just something about this person that I, I, I see them now on social media, and I'm like, they do it all the time. It's not just in football. I'm like, they're always encouraging. <laughs> they're just speaking life constantly. And I'm just like, I feel better every time I see them, every time I'm in their prayer. I just feel better for being with them. And I thought, what could that look like if we could find a way to bring encouragement to everyone that we met? What would it look like if you became someone who literally just encouraged people? Like random people in the street, random people like your servers when you go out for coffee. Like wouldn't it be amazing if you were so over the top encouraging with people? Like how would that person feel? You see, we have the opportunity to make such a difference and watch. So watch your mouth. You see, we have a broken world right now and it's an incredible we have an incredible opportunity for us as the people of God in this moment, in this season, to be the ones who bring life, who bring hope, and who bring freedom. And do you know what it means when we say watch your mouth? It means that I don't get to say the things that I really want to say sometimes. Like, I don't get to say the things. And I don't want to get any tr- like, I don't want us to get any trouble or to digress, but it means that maybe because I'm a person of God and I'm called of Jesus, it means I don't get to say what I want to say about political leaders. <laughs> that other people might get to say. I don't get to speak about my boss the way that other people do. Why? Because I'm reflecting Jesus and I'm choosing to speak life. I don't want to speak over other people's life situations the way that others do. Why? Because I'm I'm called to speak life. And so therefore, I'm not going to gossip and I'm not going to get involved in that backbite. Why? Because that's not who I am. And that means that sometimes, even though I've got the thoughts (laughs) and I want to say it, and there have been times in my life when I've said it and I've thought, you know what? I didn't even feel good for a second because I just felt like I was wrong. And there's been other times when actually I've not said it and I've chosen to speak life and guess what? I've grew myself and also my relationship with that person has grown as well. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. We have the opportunity to speak life. You know, in the beginning of creation, God spoke and everything was burst into motion. And the Bible says that you and I are made in his image. And so what would it look like what could it look like if we chose to watch our mouth and spoke life? What would, it, what would it be like if we spoke life over our kids, or our kids' ministry, or our young people? 
What would it look like if we spoke life over our spouses or our family members, over our neighbors? What would it be like if we spoke life over our life groups or over our departments? What would it look like if we spoke life over our governments or over our officials? Or what could it look like if we were just so encouraging and little balls? Because look how many of us there are. Like, imagine if we all just became a catalyst for encouragement and speaking life. What could it look like for Asia and all the parts that we represent? I mean, what could it possibly look like? I also firmly believe that speaking life creates an atmosphere for God to move and for miracles to happen. And if you don't believe me, that's fine. I'll prove, you that, prove to you that I'm right. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story where Jesus and there's this little girl on Jesus is on his way to heal her, but the news comes that she's died and everyone's upset because why would you not be a little girl has died? But Jesus removes everyone out of the room. He gets them all out, everyone who's mourning this death. Why? Because they're speaking death because that's the reality of the situation. But Jesus takes in his disciples and himself and they get into this room and this little girl who was dead comes back to life. Why? Because Jesus wanted people who can speak life. The Bible actually says that Jesus could do no miracles in his own home, in his hometown, because he was just just Joseph's kid from Nazareth. And I found that so sad that they had this Jesus literally walking amongst them and he could do nothing because they, they didn't have the faith. They spoke death over him instead of speaking life. And I believe that as we create an atmosphere of life in this place and in our life groups and in our departments, but even in our lives, that I'm believing we're going to see miracles happen. We've started the prayer things on a Sunday and it's a bit new and it's a bit uncomfortable, but I'm firmly believing that we are going to see these miracles take place. I'm believing these people we are praying for, we're not just going to see them being healed. We're going to see them being set free. We're going to see them in here. And we're going to see them becoming like what we are like. They know Jesus. They're becoming people who speak life and are taking their story into different parts. And I believe that the church is going to grow, not for our glory, but because of him. And so just watch your mouth. I love when we sing songs of faith. And recently we've sang a, a lot of songs that build your faith. But I long for the day, I was speaking to my mum this week, we went out for coffee, and I long for the days when some of these bridges that we sing come true. I want to see the cities in revival. But I want to see the prodigals returning. Because I've had a taste of it. We've seen it a little bit, but I want to see cancer. There's things that I've seen, that I'm singing about that I can't sing because I've never seen it. And I'm like, God, I want to see it. I want to see you move like I've never seen you move before. I'm desperate for it, God. And if that means I have to speak life, then let me speak life. Let me be part of the, I want to create the atmosphere, God, for you to move. And it's him who does it all. It's not us. But we can come bringing life or we can bring death. And so if you're not bringing life, my challenge for you is let's be people who bring life. Watch our mouth. If you can't think of something good to say, think of something good to say. It's it's true. We need to watch our mouth. And then the, the, the final one I know is that we have to watch our hands. You know, and here Solomon is talking about, like, if, I mean, if you're lazy, he goes to town on you. He, I mean, he calls you a disgrace. And I'm like, that, is, that seems a bit harsh. I mean, that seems harsh to me. But I'm not the wisest man who's ever lived. And he achieved some crazy stuff. Like, he built temples. He, 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 worked, he worked hard, and his father worked hard as well, who's my favorite. And it's funny because... I mean, really, if what I, my understanding of what Solomon's saying is that if you're lazy, it's the complete opposite of wisdom. In fact, like, it's impossible to be lazy and wise. And there's a phrase, like, I've heard a lot recently about work, hard, work smarter, not harder. 
And it's funny because, like, I think what they're trying to say is finding more effective ways to do the work you're doing. <laughs> but oftentimes I hear people saying that, and it's really just them trying to be lazy. <laughs> they just don't want to do the hard work. And I was thinking about this week, and, like, Heather and I had the honor of celebrating our fifth year wedding anniversary on Friday. I mean, it's crazy. And I'm like, woo <laughs> to God the glory for that. But I, but I had the honor of sharing a devotional and the men's thing on Friday, and it was funny. I was talking about how, like, we celebrate birthdays, and I'm, I'm all about celebrating birthdays. Please don't. I'm not a party pooper. We should celebrate birthdays. Birthdays are great. But, like, all I'd done for my birthday was not, like, not, not so morbid, but I just didn't die. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I didn't do anything. I didn't have to work that hard. <laughs> Whereas my, but for a five-year wedding anniversary, I had to work hard to get to five years. And Heather had to work even harder than I did. <laughs> I accept that. But for so many of us, like, we've actually got way more than five years, and we honor and celebrate that. But it only came through hard work. Because I, and, and part of that is wisdom, and part of that is wisdom we learned from others before we got married, and part of it is wisdom we've learned since. But we've committed to working hard. We want to work hard to make sure that our marriage reflects God, but also that it's a healthy and fruitful and successful marriage, but it requires hard work. And I was thinking about how some of the, the things that trouble me in the Bible, and there's a phrase which Jesus said where he says, I can see the harvest field is full. It's ripe for the harvest, but the workers are so few. And that shook me, that shakes me to my core because it makes me think, God, could you imagine? Could you imagine if my town was just ready? They were just ready to come to you. If my neighbors were just so ready to come to you, but I just I didn't want to, put, I didn't want to work hard. I just, I wasn't willing to work hard, and it meant that in my generation, the, the workers were so few. You see, we've only got one life on this planet. I know we're going to live forever with Jesus in heaven, but we've only really got this life to make an impact. It's all we have, and I, I don't know about you, but I want to work so hard so that when my time comes to step into glory, I'm going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear him say, do you know what? You worked so hard, you earned it. And it's not about earning salvation. That's not it. Because we can never do that. That's the free gift of grace. But God calls us to serve, and that means hard work. And so my challenge is for, for us this morning and for all of us, is, and for me too, is in, in what areas of our life have we stopped working hard? And what areas of our life have we, where, where our hands used to be so busy, like we used to be really, we really were intentional about our worship and our serving and our, or even our devotions. We were really intentional about inviting and trying to reach others, but since then we've just become lazy, and there's a million reasons why. It can be tiring and it can be exhausting, and there's times to rest. There's seasons to just be, do you know what? I'm, I'm just tired right now, so I'm resting in the thin place. I'm resting in Jesus' presence, but we're not called to stay in the thin place forever because there's a world outside our window that needs us to serve. And life can be exhausting. But there's just something in me this morning that I really believe that God wants me to call out all of us to say, let's be people who work hard. Let it be known that, see that, see these people at New Life? They work hard. When they serve, they serve hard. Like when they, when they honor, they honor hard. When they reach people, they reach hard. When they do, when they encourage, they, they work hard. Everything they do, they work hard. Why? Because it's worth it. It's worth it when we see the fruits and that we see the people. That, I mean, I'm looking out on people who, because someone worked hard, are sitting here today. 
I'm only here today because people worked hard. And I think what an opportunity we have. I mean, it's no greater honor. We've just sang this morning, for this cause, I'm giving up my life. Build your church and build your kingdom here, God. I want to be a part of it. And so what could it look like if you and I chose to work hard? The worship team can come up. I'm not quite finished yet because I've just got a final charge this morning. And this is a, a challenge for, I guess, all of us in this season we find ourselves in as we look to work hard. And it's the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church in Corinthians. He wrote to them twice, but this is the first time he wrote to them. And he just says this, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did so, so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who don't follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law, so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try everything to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and sharing its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I watch my eyes. I'm keeping my eyes fixed on the purposes. I'm watching my mouth because all it takes is one second to ruin everything. And he's saying, I work so hard. I work so hard that I might be able to make a difference in people's lives. And so I'm a challenge for us this morning, for all of us. And what areas that we need to watch what we're watching and watch our eyes? And what areas do we need to start speaking life? Where do we need to watch our mouth? But, but perhaps most importantly, though it might not be the hardest, and, but the most challenging, I guess, is where is it we need to work hard? What are the areas in life where we've just, we've just let go? We've stopped being intentional, we've stopped trying. And it's not bad, it's not a judgment, but it's just a call this morning to get back on track to say, do you know what, God? You know, I, I'm, I, God, I'm sorry for, for me, I mean, it's just, it's just a challenge. I want to be someone who works hard. Heather and I have... And it's not a... I don't share this to try and get an emotional response, but it's just this morning, even this morning as we talk, Heather and I have talked about we're going to do something to intentionally try and win our neighbors for Jesus. And do you know what? We've been announced for five years and we've not really started yet. We've started slightly, but we're not done enough. And I feel later mass, but it, that God's caught me saying, David, you know what? See that time where you've just become lazy and made up excuses? Well, let's forget that. But it's time to start working hard again, David. 
And so I just want to invite everyone to stand and I'm just going to pray. Because I believe that there'll be others in here who you just, you've been coasting and that's, that's okay for a while. But I just believe that God is calling us to arms once again to go in and to be the people that he's called us to be with the wisdom that he gives to make a difference everywhere that we go. Father God, I thank you for every life here. God, I thank you for everyone watching online. Father God, I thank you that your word promises us that when we come to you and ask for wisdom, you give it freely. You don't hold it back from us. So Father God, I pray for each person here, Father God, whether we struggle with what we, whether it's our eyes, our mouth, or our hands, Father God, whatever we're struggling with, God, I pray that you just, you set us free, Father God, from the guilt and the shame that doesn't come from you. But God, that you'll empower us by your spirit to be the people you call us to be, to make a difference where you've placed us. Father God, that we will begin to see the fruits of your kingdom coming, that we'll see life begin to flow up in every area of our life. Father God, as we seek you, Father God, as we seek your will over our lives. Father God, I pray for every life, God. I pray, Father God, that we'll all be people who work hard, who work hard to reach souls for you. Father God, I just thank you that in the name of Jesus we can go. And Father God, I pray that there'll just be something in us that grips us and empowers us to win. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that are new every single morning. In Jesus' name, amen.